Going up, going down, or staying in the same place? Those are the only options to ponder now that it is National Talk in an Elevator Day. The idea is to spark up a quick conversation with a stranger while you level up, or down, or go sideways. So polish up your pitch and perhaps you will find your way somewhere new. That's one thought to have on July 29th, 2022. And this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement hopes to get to the bottom of a few things. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. On today's show, the deadline will soon close to tell the University of Virginia that your company wants to build affordable units as part of their housing initiative. Albemarle supervisors approve funding to further advance affordable housing projects at Southwood. There's another algae bloom at Chris Green Lake, and Albemarle supervisors deny a request from a landowner next to the lake to import clean fill to help restore the land in order to raise livestock. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, want to change up your lawn to something more sustainable for pollinators and other creatures? The Piedmont Master Gardeners want you to know about a program called Healthy Virginia Lawns, which can assist you in your transition. The program is a joint venture of Virginia Cooperative Extension and the Virginia Department of Conservation and Recreation. If interested, the first step will be for a Piedmont Master Gardener to come for a visit for an assessment and soil test. Healthy Virginia Lawns will give you a customized, science-based roadmap to a greener landscape that protects water quality, wildlife, and other resources along the way. Visit PiedmontMasterGardeners.org to learn more. And if you want to learn more about how to use water more efficiently while gardening, Piedmont Master Gardeners are hosting a program at the Center at Belvedere this Tuesday, August 2nd at 6.30 p.m. Learn more at thecenterseville.org. Firms and entities that seek to be part of the University of Virginia's initiative to build up to 1,500 subsidized housing units have until Tuesday to answer a Request for Qualifications, or RFQ. The University of Virginia Foundation has announced three sites on which mixed-use developments will be built, and the RFQ is for a 24-acre site on Fontaine Avenue known as Piedmont, as well as a two-acre site on Wortland Street near the intersection with 10th Street Northwest in the city of Charlottesville. Two weeks ago, the foundation put out a list of answers to questions raised at a June 10th pre-proposal conference. Here is the response to the first question. We expect submissions to provide clear examples of the approach to planning and development on other similar projects managed by the respondent. The document states that there have been no discussions with either Albemarle or Charlottesville about potential rezonings that might be necessary for the projects. The Piedmont site is located within Albemarle County and offers about 12 developable acres. The 10th and Wortland site is within Charlottesville, close to three apartment buildings that have been constructed in the last 10 years on West Main Street. There will be no home ownership options at either site, and the foundation's involvement will be limited to leasing the ground to the development team. Existing tenants at the two locations are on year-to-year -year leases and have been informed of the potential redevelopment and need to vacate the property. 
Some, but not all, of the new tenants in the new buildings will be required to have specific low incomes. Here's a response to question 10. Our team's analysis demonstrates a need for units at 30% to 60% of area median income, but it will be up to the development team to determine the best approach to maximize affordability while producing a financially feasible project. The foundation is also not stating a unit count at either location. Here's the response to question 14. The count should be identified by the selected development team's development program and financial plan. It is assumed that teams will seek to maximize the number of affordable units while working to offer a variety of affordability levels across the development. The response also clarifies that the units are not being targeted for UVA employees, but for community members at the 30% to 60% AMI level. The University of Virginia Foundation has previously offered land at the North Fork Discovery Park, but an RFQ for that project will not be issued until after a rezoning is completed for that area. There are links to all kinds of stories about this from the past in the newsletter. There is a lot of demand for funding for housing projects across the community, and Albemarle County set aside some of its share of the American Rescue Plan Act to provide support to nonprofit agencies. The county asked those entities to apply for funding for affordable housing projects last fall. Here's Stacy Pethia, Albemarle County's housing policy manager. During the ABRT and ARPA processes, we received requests for more than $20 million in funding support. On April 20th, the Albemarle Board of Supervisors approved $1.29 million from the fiscal year 22 budget for three projects. And that money went to the Albemarle Housing Improvement Project to preserve 41 affordable units. $625,000 went to the Piedmont Community Land Trust to create 12 permanently affordable new housing units. Um, and $250,000 was awarded to expand the county's current energy improvement program, and that would extend that program for an additional 25 existing units. Another $2.7 million from Albemarle's share of ARPA was set aside for housing, and Pethia said much of that went to the Premier Circle Project, being developed by the Piedmont Housing Alliance, Virginia Supportive Housing, and the Thomas Jefferson Area Coalition for the Homeless. On July 20th, supervisors were asked to approve funding for two additional projects. The staff is requesting the board approve $3.3 million in funding. $3 million of that will be given to Piedmont Housing Alliance uh, to support their Southwood apartment project. Um, and $306,000 will go to Habitat for Humanity to provide temporary rental assistance for 40 Southwood families that need to be relocated during the redevelopment process. That relocation will take place for two years as the second phase of Habitat's Southwood redevelopment is underway. The total project cost is $2 million, making the county's cost about 15% of that total. Pethia said the Piedmont Housing Alliance's Southwood Apartments will have 121 units in the first phase of the Southwood redevelopment. Those units will serve households with incomes between 30 and 60 percent of area median income. The total project cost is $24.9 million. Pethia said Albemarle's total contribution for that project will end up around 12 percent of the total cost, or about $25,000 per unit. 
The main bulk of the funding comes from the sale of low-income housing tax credits, but other sources include the National Housing Trust Fund and the Virginia Housing Trust Fund. Albemarle's Office of Housing will also dedicate eight vouchers to the project. That equals approximately $500,000. That will provide rental assistance to dedicated units for 15 years. Supervisor Ann Malik asked what would happen after that 15 years. Pethia responded that they would have to remain affordable for 30 years because that is the requirement under the low-income housing tax credits mechanism. Supervisor Ned Galloway said supervisors have to have a discussion about the future of the county's affordable housing trust. We're on the 20th day of the fiscal year and our housing fund, which we've taken probably three, four years to get up to five million, is now down to under 500,000 again. That's not bad because we are using it, but there are still there's still so much more out there that we need to do. Galloway said the county needs to do more than rely on surpluses and one time money. More on this issue as we continue into the future. In today's second house-fueled public service announcement, the Albemarle Charlottesville Historical Society wants you to know about an upcoming exhibit at the Center at Belvedere, featuring portraits of several historical figures active in the Charlottesville area in the 1970s and 1980s. Frances Brand was a folk artist who painted nearly 150 portraits of what she considered first, including first black Charlottesville mayor Charles Barber and Nancy O'Brien, the first woman to be Charlottesville's mayor. Brand's work will be on display through August 31st in the first public exhibit since 2012. And if you'd like to help conduct community research into who some of the portraits are of, Sevilpedia is looking for volunteers. So far this month, I've done three sessions leading a Sevilpedia 101 training session at the center, and the next one's coming up this Monday, August 1st at 2 p.m. It's the last one scheduled for now, but if you're interested in hearing more about Sevilpedia, Hit a button and something will come up or down. Two more segments to go today. Albemarle County has closed the beach to people and animals at Chris Green Lake Park due to another harmful algae bloom. Here's a section of a press release that went out on Wednesday. People and dogs are prohibited from swimming in the lake until further notice. Hiking trails and the dog park remain open and boating is still permitted. This is the second such event in less than a year. Another harmful algae bloom shut down the water last October, and Chris Green Lake was reopened after tests showed reduced levels of the bacteria that cause the blooms to occur. Another bloom in June of 2018 prompted the county to hire the firm Solitude Lake Management to conduct a study of the lake's chemistry to understand the source. Their work found that organic material has accumulated at the bottom of the lake since it was created in the 1970s. Lower oxygen in warmer months releases phosphorus into the lake, upon which the algae feeds. Here's a section on harmful algae blooms from the Virginia Department of Health's website on the topic. Algae are naturally occurring microscopic organisms that are found in fresh and salt waters of Virginia and around the world. Most algal blooms are not harmful, but some do affect fish and humans, as well as other animals like birds and marine mammals. Western portions of Lake Anna are also experiencing harmful algae blooms, and an advisory against swimming was issued on July 15th. The next report on that situation is expected on August 10th. Six, six, 
The Albemarle County Board of Supervisors has taken action on the first test of an ordinance adopted in the fall of 2020 to regulate the practice of importing dirt from construction sites and other excavations to agriculturally zoned land. Here's Bart Svoboda, the county's zoning administrator. The fill regulations were developed to, to protect public health, safety, welfare, and those regulations were designed to limit the scale and impact on roads the adjacent areas, noise, uh, runoff. The owner of two properties just to the west of Chris Green Lake wants an exemption from all of the rules because he says they restrict a contract he has with the federal government to further develop forested land that was clear-cut in 2009 that he now wants to become suitable for livestock pasture. Here's Tim Kendrick. I am currently working under a multi-year federally funded environmental quality incentive program to improve the overall agricultural production of a 254-acre farm, which has been in my family since the 1730s. The request is the first to come in since supervisors adopted updated rules for what's called clean fill on September 16, 2020. The new rules only allow imported fill on two acres per property. About 90 acres of the property were clear-cut in 2009, and the stumps were left to decompose in order to prevent erosion. Now, to move the land into productive use as pasture, Kendrick entered into a contract with the United States Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service. One of the items in the meeting packet is a letter from Corey Kirkland with the NRCS. In this, Mr. Kirkland says that he's been working with Tim Kendrick on a multi-year project to conserve, improve, and protect the natural resources. The idea is to add permanent vegetation, perennial vegetation, some use exclusion on the areas that are most vulnerable. And some of this requires using clean fill dirt as a land treatment to improve existing conditions for continued use. Clean fill means solid matter brought from other sites that could include soil and other inert materials that change the topography of the landscape. Look at the definition of clean fill. There's a picture in the newsletter. Kendrick told the Board of Supervisors the project is agricultural in nature and that the new rules should not apply due to the Virginia Right to Farm Act. He said he has been held hostage by the new ordinance. Zoning Administrator Bart Svoboda said staff does not see it that way. Under our ordinance, uh, the zoning ordinance, the activity is, is not agricultural. Fill activity is specifically excluded as an agricultural activity under state code and local code. Svoboda acknowledged that the Virginia Right to Farm Act does restrict localities from regulating many agricultural uses, but clean fill brought in from external sites is not one of them. That activity of bringing fill from off-site um, is not an agricultural use. It supports agriculture, but under those definitions, it is not an agricultural use. Svoboda said staff recommended denial in part because there was no plan for how environmental effects would be mitigated under the plan. Supervisor Jim Andrews questioned the request from exemption from all of the rules. My sense is that this is really a, an attempt to say, well, this regulation shouldn't apply at all, and uh, asking us to make that determination, which seems highly inappropriate. Uh, and so without conditions, I can't understand what I'm really looking at. Now, before we get to the end of the story, we have to go back. Earlier in the meeting, Brian McKay spoke on behalf of the Earliesville Forest Homeowners Association and said supervisors should not grant the exemption. 
An Earliesville Forest has a right-of-way easement agreement with the Kendrick family. That was signed when the neighborhood was first developed. The neighborhood dates back to the 1980s, and McKay said the terms give the association a 15-foot easement intended for a driveway that links to Carriage Hill Drive. However, that driveway is now being used as access for the fill dirt operation, requiring repeated trips by heavy dump trucks, and it's not adequate for that purpose. When asked by Supervisor Ned Galloway to further explain the neighborhood's opposition, McKay spoke a second time and said he was not opposed to the use of the property, just the use of the dump trucks on the access road. Our opposition uh, is directly tied to the use of this access by heavy equipment, and we want to stop that, basically. Supervisor Donna Price said she toured the property with Kendrick and saw the insulation of the mechanisms to keep additional organic material from being washed into the watershed of Chris Green Lake. I did have a tour of part of the property, and I did see where livestock exclusion fencing has been constructed uh, to protect the waterways. My concern here is that our ordinance may have somehow now created what I would call the law of unintended consequences by limiting the soil to have to come from the farm itself. Price said that the farm was in existence many years before the homes were built on Carriage Hill Drive, and that Kendrick had a legal right to use it. It is a farm. The farm naturally engages in some sort of industrial use. Price asked for a legal perspective on whether the county's ordinance was against state rules. Here's Deputy County Attorney Andy Herrick. Uh, As Mr. Svoboda said at the beginning, there's a difference between agricultural use on the one hand and fill use on the other. And um, as Mr. Svoboda also pointed out, uh, there was a recent amendment to state law that specifically amended agricultural activities so as not to include imported fill. Supervisor Ann Malik said the county's new rules on clean fill were the subject of much public discussion over several years. I cannot support someone saying, I don't want this law to apply to me. And I think that we have to make a decision based on the information we have now, and if there's some future application that comes in with something different, that would be fair to the neighbors and to the process. Supervisor Ned Galloway said he was sympathetic to the landowner, but the county put its ordinance into place for a reason. I think even then we knew that this would likely frustrate good actors coming forward, but the regulation or the ordinance was put in place to stop the bad actors or the activities that we were concerned about. There are six ways you can get a waiver, but Kendrick wanted a blanket exemption from all of the rules. Galloway suggested a new application that sought to justify the waiver. Price said she also could not support a blanket exemption. But I really want county staff to do what I believe county staff does, which is help this community member achieve within the law what he wants to do, which is to improve the quality of his farm. The motion to deny the application for a special exemption was approved unanimously. I'm almost certain we're going to hear about this one quite soon again. And that's it for another edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And you may have noticed a focus on Albemarle County this time around. 
I have been wanting to get some of these items out there, and there's still more I want to get to. There's so much going on, and I hope to have another edition out. Maybe tomorrow, probably Monday, who knows? But between now and then, there is the week ahead coming out on Sunday. There's also another look at what's coming up in government meetings across the entire 5th District in the new Government Glance. Of course, all of this is supported by readers and listeners under the Town Crier Productions Company that I formed in 2020, and I'm still learning out how to operate. I am breaking even, but I'd very much like to find a way to grow and sustain. There are ways that you can help me do that. For one, if you sign up for a paid subscription through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment. And if you sign up for their services through a link in the newsletter, you'll get a free standard installation, your second month free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Enter the promo code COMMUNITY for full effect. Music on the podcast version of the show comes from the DC sensation Vrecky, and you can support their work by paying whatever you want for the album on Bandcamp. They're also on a compilation album, which I did not link this time around, but keep checking the housekeeping notes in the newsletter. You'll see that. My sincere hope today is that someone will ponder the concept of elevators and what would happen if they could predict the future. That actually is my one of my favorite bits from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Seek that out if you can on the radio program. Never made it into any of the other media just in the radio show so fans of the secondary phase go take a look this is the end of the show thank you very much for listening i am sean tubbs the host of the program i will be back in the near future i hope you're back too please send it on to other people so we can continue to keep making silly jokes based on whatever i decide to write in the top part ding ding